Good morning. Welcome to Ridgeview. My name is Alex Baird. I'm the lead pastor, and we're so glad you decided to join us. We're on week two of this series that you just saw a little video on called Triggered. And as you saw, just some of those images, they kind of represent various emotions that we have. And we kicked off the series last week looking at an overview of emotions and how emotions are actually a gift from God to help us experience the human life. It adds layers and depths. But at the same time, emotions can easily get away from us. They can uh, cause us to react and uh, make choices that aren't helpful. And so this series is about how do we take the emotions that we experience and evaluate. And so to recap last week, the key with our emotions is to evaluate them. As we uh, experience them, we have to recognize what's happening and then think through, okay, what, what's my response? What are the things that I need to think through? What are the things that I need to say or not say? What are the things I need to do or not do? And so today we're getting specific. And over the next four weeks, we're going to get into various emotions. And today, uh, the topic is on anger. Now, how many of you watched the Super Bowl uh, this past week? Anyone who watched it? Uh, there was a prime triggered example of anger that shows up in this image. And you probably have seen it. Remember this? Uh, if you watch the Super Bowl, uh, this just happened this past Sunday, and I actually got texts from people like, wow, he's triggered. And I was like, that's right, he's triggered. This is uh, Travis Kelsey, and this is on the sideline, and that's his coach. And what you can't see in the image is actually, uh, he's filled with a lot of anger. He actually bumps his coach, which Andy Reid is a big guy. Andy Reid almost falls over, and this is all happening on the sideline. As you can imagine, this past week, not only did the Chiefs win, but there's been all this talk about this exchange that happened. What's very interesting is, is this is the type of thing that happens all of the time related to anger. And usually there's two responses. In this one, there's an external reaction to anger. Externally, can you see anger on his face? You don't know the conversation. It could be like, let's go, we're doing so great, right? Like, but it's more than that. And in this sense, it's like external anger happening and it comes out. There's also an internal process of anger, and it depends on your wiring. It depends on the situation. Sometimes there's anger, and your response is external. You could see it like in the image here, and then sometimes there's something that happens, and your, your response is internal. There's some things that are happening with anger, but they're inside, and sometimes they don't even come out, or sometimes they cook for a really long time, and then it blows up. But whether it's external or internal, the damaging effects of anger are real. You don't have to look far. You can just see in this situation. Um, I want to talk uh, briefly about kind of the emotional uh, prog- progression that happens as we experience things. This is a review uh, of last week. These are emotional uh, interruptions that, or eruptions that have this kind of uh, predictable sequence. And if you're here last week, this is just a, a review. The first is uh, we have a precondition. If you could put that up there. Uh, we have trigger. We have an emotional state, actions, results, and consequences. Usually, uh, we think something happens and then we respond. So maybe it's like, okay, there's a trigger and then there's an action. But you can see there, there's all sorts of steps. And I just want to kind of replay how these sequences impact our emotions. And so let's go to this example of, of Travis Kelsey. You've seen the face. If you watched it, you may have seen it in real time. I'm not picking on Travis. I'm using it as an example, okay? So if you're a Kansas City fan, I'm really happy that they won, kind of, okay? Okay. Um, <laughs> But the, the precondition is in the game that was happening, uh, they were actually losing at the time. They were losing, and they had just given up a fumble on a play that Travis Kelsey was not playing in. So he was on the sideline. They were about to score. The running back fumbled the ball. So the precondition is they're losing. He's not playing. He's not happy about it. 
That's important, right? Because these are the environment or the things that are happening that are going on in his life. Then the trigger, the trigger was the fumble. The trigger was he wasn't playing, he wasn't participating. Uh, The fumble, and now we've given up the ball, we didn't score, that's caused the anger. That left to his, his emotional state. I'm not happy about this situation. This isn't how it should go. We're losing, it's the Super Bowl, everyone's watching. My girlfriend is watching up there with our all fan. You know, okay, I won't get too, too much into that. This leads to this action, and the action is approaching your coach on the sideline, yelling in his ear and bumping him, and then walking off. That leads to the results, uh, Andy Reid almost falling over, uh, other results of, of just him being frustrated, teammates probably trying to figure out what is happening, coaches coming, pulling him away. All of these things are happening just very quickly. If you saw it, it's very quick. And then there's consequences. Well, in this sense, like the team won. So it seems like the anger worked. He got his coach fired up. They shifted the game. But there's other consequences that happen. Uh, now, you, you, this past week, actually, Travis uh, as, was talking with his brother on a podcast that they have, just talked about, yeah, it wasn't a good look. You've ever heard that word? Emotions tend us to do that. Like, it wasn't a good look, meaning people saw my emotions, and I'm an emotional guy. Football is an emotional game, and you hear all this process of talking about emotions. But in the end, he had an outburst, and his coach was impacted, the team was impacted, and then it was like the whole world is talking about it. The reason I bring this up is oftentimes we see the action, but we don't see all of the things that are happening. And just like in Travis's uh, sense, there, there was all these things that were going on in his, in his mind, in his heart, the thing that he was feeling, the stress of the situation, and then it caused him to act. I'm using this just as a real-life example because uh, just like Travis Kelsey, we can have all sorts of these things that go on with us. And sometimes our precondition, just with what we're facing, the stress that we're under, can cause us to get into anger a little bit easier. Then there's these triggers. There's certain things that set us off. We're driving to work. Maybe we're late. And because we're late, we're a little stressed out because we can't be late to work. And then somebody cuts you off as you're trying to rush to get to work. And you could see that all these things lead to like angry outbursts and all this stuff is happening all the time. So this series is how do we evaluate the progression of these things? And when we get to the point of action, we make the right choice. Now that is a lot easier said than done. Wouldn't you agree with that? We feel things and then we react. We feel, we react. We feel, we react. That's like the human experience. But what I want to talk about today is how do we shift from that feeling of anger? Where does that come from? And then how do we act in a way that doesn't blow up our relationships, our reputation? If you're a Christ follower, it doesn't blow up your witness, that you're actually taking the frustrations that you have and really allowing God to help you in, in that moment. So today is, is all about anger. Um, I want to actually talk to from an Old Testament story, which is helpful to illustrate this more. And uh, this is in the the book of the Old Testament, just like I did last week in uh, Numbers chapter 20. And uh, this is Moses with the Israelites, and uh, they are wandering in the desert. So if you could imagine the precondition of wandering in the desert, in the hot desert, frustrated, stressed out. And uh, we find in Numbers chapter 20 that the Israelites are thirsty, they're not happy, and Moses gets involved. And I just want to kind of read through this and then kind of unpack this sequence of anger uh, that was connected to the people of Israel and how it impacted Moses. And so I'm going to start in verse 2, Numbers chapter 20. It says, Now there was no water for the congregation, and they assembled themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. Aaron is Moses' brother, his right-hand man. And the people quarreled with Moses and said, 
Would that we had perished when our brothers perished before the Lord. So these people are thirsty, and that is a real thing. They're thirsty, they're wondering, they're, they're aimless, they're frustrated, and they literally tell Moses, and they fight with Moses, and there's this big conflict. They conspire, they all get together and say, who's this guy to lead us to this place where we have no water? And then they come to this conclusion. It would have been better that we died. Imagine the emotions going on to the point where they thought, I'd rather we weren't alive right now because of what we're facing. Pretty crazy response, wouldn't you say? And that's what emotions do. You're feeling these things, you're experiencing these things, and you have an outburst. And this caused the quarreling, the fighting, the complaining, and then finally telling your leader, I wish we were dead. I wish we weren't here right now. What have you done to us? And then verse four, why have you brought the assembly of the Lord into this wilderness that we should die here, both we and our cattle? It's very interesting. We wish that we were dead, but because you brought us here, we're gonna die anyways. They're talking out of both sides of their mouth. Verse five, and why have you made us come up out, of the pl- uh, up out of Egypt to bring us to this evil place? It is no place for grain or figs or vines or pomegranates, and there is no water to drink. I love the specificness of this. We're not just gonna quarrel and complain generally. We're gonna tell you all the things that we're missing, all the fine fruits of the land. And what are they talking about? The land of Egypt where they were what? Slaves. Could you imagine? The emotions has got them so uh, convoluted and frustrated they can't even see straight. We talked about that last week. That's what emotions do. Uh, It distorts your reality. It distorts your perspective. And they're literally telling Moses, you have led us to a place where we'd be rather off as slaves. It's crazy to think. It's like that doesn't even make any sense. But that's what the emotions are telling them. Verse six, then Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the entrance of the tent of meeting and fell on their faces and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. I love this phrase because if you've ever had somebody that's complained to you, maybe it's somebody that you love. It could be a spouse, it could be a, a family member, it could be your kids, and you just get to the point where you, you're hearing them and you're hearing the words that are coming out of their mouth and you're thinking like, this seems like crazy talk. I don't quite know what to do with it. And you just have to get out of that situation and come before God. So this is just raw and real. Like Moses and Aaron are like, these people are are crazy. We need to go to God. We need his help desperately. And that's what they did. And it says, then uh, they fell on their faces and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. And then verse seven, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, verse eight, take the staff and assemble the congregation, you and Aaron, your brother, and tell the rock before their eyes to yield its water so that you shall bring water out of the rock for them and give drink to the congregation and their cattle. So this is what I like. Moses and Aaron have no clue what to do. They're hearing all these complaints. There's the quarreling. There's this idea of like the people are conspiring against them and they come to God and say, God, we need your help. And what does God do? He gives them the solution. That's what is so helpful. Whatever you face in your life that's causing emotions to well up in you where you're freaking out, you're concerned, people seem against you, people are complaining, people are grumbling, you go before almighty God and he hears you. And they cried out to him. And he gave them this answer. Take your staff and tell the rock to yield the water. And verse nine says, and Moses took the staff from before the Lord as he commanded him. And then verse 10, then Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock. And he said to them, here now, this is very interesting. Here now you what? Can you see it? Is it up there? You rebels. Here now you rebels. So this is where Moses is frustrated. He went before God. God told him what to do. 
But he now wants these people to pay because of their grumbling, their complaining, all that they've really accused Moses and Aaron of. And so he gives them this, this uh, proclamation of who they are. You're, you're just rebels. Here now, you rebels, shall we bring water for you out of this rock? Kind of like you, you rebellious people, should we help you? Should we actually answer your complaints? And Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock with his staff twice. And water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank and their livestock. So Moses takes this situation that's happening. God gives him this answer, but he decides on his own power to, one, label the people. God didn't say, tell the people that they're rebels, right? God didn't say that. God said, take your staff, tell the rock to yield water, and it will. There's this part of God's like, I, I got you covered. I'm gonna provide. I'm gonna take care of this situation. It's in my strength, in my holiness, I will do this. But Moses decides, like, I need to let these people know that they're off track. And in him wanting to make a point out of them and an example out of them as rebellious people, he actually misses the way. And it's in his anger that he gets off track. And not only does he call them rebels, but if you notice he doesn't exactly do what God told him to do. This is very important. God told him that you take your staff, but you're just going to the rock and you're, you're declaring to it. But what did Moses do? Uh, if you go back, you can see it. Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock with his staff twice. So if you can imagine, Moses has this staff and he sees this rock and in his anger, you rebellious people, and he takes it and he just, and the water flows. And it's like Moses is making a point, like out of my frustration, out of my exasperation with you, shall I bring water out of this rock? And it was on his own power, his own resources. He made it about him. His emotional outburst of anger caused them to actually not do what the Lord had said. Now, it's very subtle, right? God said, take your staff. He said that actually in verse nine, but he didn't say use your staff. Very interesting. God gave a specific command. I will do it by my own strength. You just declare it. You don't actually need to get involved more than you need to. You just speak the word and it will happen. And the people will know that I've done this. But when Moses took this in anger and rebellious people, then verse 12, the story goes. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not believe in me. Very interesting. Moses decided that he was gonna take it in his own hand. And this makes sense. If you're a leader or you have people that are grumbling and complaining, you just wanna react. And that's what anger does. It causes us to react and to react in a lot of ways that, that are foolish because you did not believe in me to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel. Therefore, you shall not bring this assembly into land that I've given them. It's at this moment that Moses missed out on the promised land. Now, this seems pretty harsh considering all that Moses had experienced in his life. But the point is this, God had given a specific command based on his strength and his holiness, the way that he was gonna make this happen. And all of the issues that we face in life are always like, am I gonna trust what God says in the way that he does it, the way that he wants me to do it, or am I gonna do it on my own terms? And that's what Moses did. He did it on his own terms, in his own power, in his own strength. And then verse 13, it says, these are the waters of Meribah, where the people of Israel quarreled with the Lord and through them he showed himself holy. Now, this is very interesting because who does it say the people quarreled with? The Lord. 
So think about this. Moses took an offense personally, but God didn't see that it was against Moses. God sees that it was against himself, and that's why it's so important. God's like, I'm gonna take care of this. They're quarreling against me. Moses, you're, you're my servant. I wanna work through you, but it cannot be about you, and it cannot be about what you wanna prove or your own strength, on your own power, on your own terms. This is very interesting. God's saying, listen, I've got this taken care of, and the people quarreled against me. And that's very interesting when you actually quarrel against leadership that God's put in place, you're, you're standing against the Lord. And that's why Moses' sin was so just uh, terrible in the, the eyes of God because Moses made it about him. And this is what uh, anger does. And you can see in this situation that predictable sequence. Uh, if you can go back to the, to the slide, actually back to the precondition slide, I just wanna walk through this really quick. You could see it on there. So the precondition, back to Moses' example, is uh, where were they? They were in the desert. What were they experiencing? Thirst. And then the trigger is complaining, accusations, arguing. And flat out coming and accusing Moses of being a bad leader. It would have been better if we died. So if you're a leader or put yourself in Moses' shoes, don't you have an ample amount of triggers for that reaction? The reason I bring this up is it seems justified in a lot of ways. If you've ever been in leadership, if you've ever tried to do something good for people and they just slap it back in your face like you've, you've done something negative towards them, it, it's, man, it, it just hits you differently. But... That trigger led to the emotional state where he was on the right track. Moses and Aaron went to God. God, we need your help. They fell on their faces and the glory of God showed up. There was this holy place where God met them to direct them. But in that moment, from that meeting with God and God telling them, we don't exactly know what happened, but that emotional state, there was that decision where Moses thought, I'm gonna take this into my own hands. I'm gonna call these people the rebels that they are. And that led down the path. And the consequences for Moses was he missed out on the promised land. Now, I think of my own life and I think of this situation. It can seem a little harsh. Sometimes you read scripture, especially the Old Testament, it seems harsh. Like, how could this be? Anyone would do that. What the scriptures say is these are actually written for our example so that we can choose. Like, do we actually take God seriously? Do we trust him to come through? Do we do things on his terms? And this should be sobering for all of us. God is very gracious and he meets us where we are. But there's instances where if we come calling to God and we need his help, we should do what he says. He directs us, he, he helps us. And so this is a sobering reminder. Uh, you already saw a glimpse of this, but here's the, the sequence of anger uh, that I wanna kind of launch from. And how many of you have been annoyed this past week, anybody? Annoying, annoyed. Uh, annoyance is very normal. Uh, oftentimes it's very small. So I want you to just in your mind realize though that annoyance, uh, we kind of separated, but annoyance is anger. And so you have like uh, annoyance anger, you have frustrated anger, you have exasperated anger, argumentative anger, bitter anger, vengeful anger, furious anger. Uh, we tend to just say we're angry, but we don't really know what that means for us. In other words, the impact. But I wanna encourage you, 
the way that you need to begin focusing on your own anger is in your annoyances and your frustrations. That's the place where you have to evaluate and hey, say, pray, obey, like we talked about last week, come to God, evaluate the emotions that you're experiencing and ask him for help on the front end. Because if you get too exasperated and argumentative, most of the time your, your battle with anger is lost. Annoyances and frustration are subtle. They're just beneath the surfaces. And not only that, this happens all the time. Think about tomorrow, uh, on your way to work, at work, whatever you have going on your Monday, count how many times you're annoyed or frustrated. I wonder what the number would be. What if each one of us counted our annoyances and frustrations, and then we added them all up on Sunday, we shared the number? How many would it be? It's pretty interesting. I think I probably get annoyed and frustrated so much, I don't even know that's happening. And that's the point. We have to pay attention to those things because annoyance is still this form of anger. But if we can ask God for help on the annoyance side of the spectrum, it's a lot easier than, I'm furious, God. Oftentimes right then, it's, it's too late. God helps us no matter where we are, but your emotions have carried you really further down. And so it's helpful if you can start. So I wanna talk just uh, briefly about anger in scripture and what to do with this as a category. Uh, the first is this, anger isn't sin, but it easily leads to it. That's what the scriptures actually say. Uh, it's not sin, it is an emotion that we have. God has a righteous anger, but he has never sinned. And so there's a way to be righteously anger, angry against evil. But most of the time our anger even if it starts there, just like in Moses' case, can become about us. And that's that tipping point where we're trying to prove a point or we're trying to plead our own case. Uh, Psalm 4, 4 says, be angry and do not sin. So this is the state, like in your, your anger, don't sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be, what does that word say? Silent. Why does anger lead so easily to sin? Because when we're annoyed and we're frustrated, it ends up coming out of what we say, our actions. And so that word ponder there is to clarify, to think on, and literally it's to speak. So there's a sense of like you ponder in your heart. It's like you're, you're processing it yourself and then you're talking to God about it. Moses and Aaron did that. But again, just in that like exit of meeting with God to talking with the people, it got messed up. And so we have to keep thinking and processing, talking to God. A New Testament version, Ephesians 4, verse 26, it says again, be angry and do not sin. This is why God's word is so helpful. Old Testament, written in a totally different time. New Testament, different time, different culture, different people. But the same theme, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. So here now there's another dynamic. So in your anger, normal emotion, but you're easily led into sin when you feel it. So you have to be careful, especially at those annoyances and frustrations, especially if it's not righteous, which oftentimes in my own life, it's not. It's selfish. And so Paul, who wrote this book of Ephesians, gives some helpful um, principles. In anger, you want to deal with that before sunset. This is like literal, like don't let the sun go down when you're angry, it's something about this, the timely fashion when you are feeling this anger, you have to deal with that before God. You have to come to God. You have to ask him uh, for help. If you've sinned in your anger, if you've done something or said something um, like external, 
you need to clear that up with the person. If it's internal, you just like internalize your anger. And you just were mad inside. You don't have to confess that to somebody. You only want to confess what comes out externally. The rest of the stuff you need to confess, but you do that to God. That's, that's helpful. Just, I don't need to confess all of the bad thoughts I've had about you. That tends to freak people out. Oh, th- th- thanks for sharing. Wow, what are you thinking about, right? But if I've said something or done something based on my thoughts, that was a sin, I'm gonna clear that up. So it's this sign, like, let, let, let the day be that, okay, if that sun's going down, I need to deal with this. That is, if you don't deal with it, the anger grows. So deal with anger uh, before sunset. If, if not, it, it simmers, it simmers. And it gets to the boiling point. And then the damage is worse. There's another principle here. This is just what's going on in the spiritual dimension. The devil gets a foothold through anger. I was thinking about this myself. If you think about the devil, he's the enemy, uh, Satan. Uh, he, he is the father of lies. But the thing that the enemy always wants to do is he wants to destroy. He's always destructive, the, the devil is never building anything except that which to destroy. So even the things that he's constructing with the legions of demons that are operating in the world, it's always to come together to destroy and to tear apart. And so what Paul is saying here is when you get into anger, you're now doing what the devil wants to do. It's a part of this like destruction demolition gang which, which he leads and uh, literally, that, that idea of the foothold, it really means like a place, uh, literally like a room. You give space. So another way to say it is like, okay, uh, the enemy and Satan is in this demolition, destructive business. That's always what he wants to do. And when you get into anger, it's like you're, you're putting the vacancy sign like, hey, I'll, I have room here for that destruction. I have room for that demolition. And the enemy pays attention. This is very important. Before we know it, if we get into this anger and we don't deal with it right before the Lord, we're providing this space. Like, you know what? There's room here for destruction. There's room here for that demolition. And we invite the enemy's involvement in our life. And so you have to be very careful. That's why this is really important. And then finally, anger ends in discouragement. This last point has been something that I've really experienced in my life. Is the heater on? It feels really hot. Are you guys hot? That might just be me. So I'm talking and never just trust your feelings. I have an emotion of, of I'm, I'm hot up here. That just might be me. Um, anger ends in discouragement. I don't know about you, but when I've done things and said things, specifically to people that I love, and have you ever had an angry outburst at those you love? Isn't that interesting? Like people that we love, sometimes we have the biggest outbursts on. But I've done something, and I, to my wife, Samantha, I've said something, and I see her face, and I think, oh, no, I just blew it. But what I did, but what I said, my kids, it's the same. There's something about when you blow it and you're out of control in your emotions, which it actually does lead to discouragement. Thank you. Are you doing the, uh, oh, thanks, bro. This is like a live interactive service. Um, but there, there's this, this check that happens when you see the impact of your emotions, uh, it leads to regret. And so the other part that's destructive that the enemy uses is not only is he in the destructive business, but he's in the discouragement business. So you blow up, you tear something apart, like you lay into a coworker, you, you complain against your boss, you are angry at your husband, you're angry at your wife, whatever the situation. And you see the impact and you feel it. And you go to bed that night and you're like, man, I really blew it with my, my kid. I, I, I can't believe I said that to them. And then we begin to get discouraged. 
Like, how, how could you say that? And why would you, why would you say that? That's so rude. And, and, and then that discouragement grows. And then that takes us in a whole different way. And we'll talk about that in this series too, sadness. But all of this, we have to realize this is really important. And the scripture is giving us this guide. Like, okay, we have to deal with this as long as it's called today. Like, don't let it settle. And then we need to realize that, that this is spiritual. There's something going on that the enemy wants this anger to grow. And then it just leads us just in this aftermath of our own discouragement. So what do we do? Well, that's what I want to spend the rest of the time on. How do we get control of our anger? Uh, the first is, and this is, this is a really helpful perspective shift, but it's not easy. And it's this, is, is we have to shift from that needing to hurt, like when we're angry, uh, to help. And this right here is, is probably one of those things that you can read it, but you're going to spend the rest of your life with God's help trying to actually live this out. Because we all have this instinct when people hurt us that we want to hurt them. And we don't want to be hurt. We don't want to experience that. And so there's this, this part of like, oh, God, I just, I know I'm not supposed to hurt them, but they've hurt me, and it's just this natural progression. But this is a shift that if we can make, we can actually make progress. And so there's some scriptures that have been a help to me that I'm going to share. First, to shift from hurting to help is just to slow down and listen. I mentioned this last week. But oftentimes when you're having an interaction with somebody and they're annoying you or frustrating there's a window for which you can actually see things from their perspective. That's actually what compassion is. And the scriptures tell us you, know, you need to be kind and compassionate. The idea is like when somebody's telling you something, you usually have a, a, a road that's a fork in it. And you can either choose like, ah, I'm going to be annoyed and frustrated because I don't see it that way, or I'm going to try to see it your way. And the scriptures tell us like, well, if you slow down and listen, that helps you to see it other people's way. James 1.19, it says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let, everyone, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So speaking of that fork in the road, if you get into anger that starts on that annoyance and that frustration, what it's saying is you're literally on a road that does not produce, that does not lead you to where God is. Think about that. If you don't learn how to handle your anger, you're making progress in your life that is actually taking you further away from God's will for you. Because God's will is always to be where he is, to be with him, to walk with him, to, to know him, to live like him. But if anger does not produce the righteousness of God, you're going down on a road that God is not on. And your life gets off track very quickly. And so this, this principle is I need to be quick to hear, I need to be slow to speak, slow to anger. And the way I, I think of it is, is like if you're slowing down to, uh, to listen and to hear, that actually helps your anger to slow. Because if you're quick to respond and you're slow to listen, then you tend to just approach somebody based on your preconceived notions of what you think they've done, what you think they need, what you even think they're saying. I don't know you, but this is like all my interactions in life, I realize like, wow, I, I can get off track so easily because I just, I hear somebody and it's like, ah, uh, yeah, this is what's happening. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes I actually don't even know what's going on. This could be with people I live closest with in my household, to people I relate to. 
John Wooden had this quote, says, be quick, but don't hurry. He's like one of the greatest coaches ever. And you hear it like, what, what on earth does that even mean? You imagine being in the huddle on the sideline, be quick, but don't hurry. Okay, coach, what do I do? But the idea is you, you have to be quick. And this principle is that you have to quick to, okay, there's some things going on here. That's that, hey, like, hey, I'm getting a little bit maybe annoyed or frustrated, but I need to be quick to recognize that that's, uh, that's happening. But don't hurry. Like, I don't want to rush to what I think somebody should do. I don't want to rush to judgment. I don't want to rush to hastiness in my speech, uh, reactionary. Uh, that's the world we live in. You feel something, you react. But actually, James 1 is saying, don't just feel it and react. Think about it. Listen, engage with somebody. Uh, this is actually really helpful for relationships. James 1, 9, 19 through 20. If, if you've not memorized that, memorize that. That was one of the first scriptures I memorized when I was a teenager. I think I've shared this story before. But my dad, uh, he actually struggled with anger. And that was something that we talked about. And uh, from his example, he, he really tried to work on it. And this was the first scripture that my dad and I memorized together. I'll never forget that. We had a moment. He's like, hey, you know, I need help with this. I need God's help. I need his perspective. And we memorized this together, and I'll never forget that. But the idea is, like, you have to be patient with people. Hear where they're coming from. Uh, here, here's a, a video of the opposite. Sometimes this helps to see the opposite. Let's watch it. Good, huh? What's that? Uh, it's cream, and it's, uh, it's Irish. Hurry up and order. Excuse me. Thank you. Um, how about a smoothie? What's in that? Smoothie's a juice drink. We want coffee. Buddy, relax. No, you relax. I'm a regular here. This line needs to move. I beg your pardon. Do you have scones? Tall, non-fat, double latte. Sir, you're at the back of the line. I recognize that. Cut it out or you're out of here. You can't kick me out. You no, know you're, you're really invading my ear space. Look, I'm a frequent coffee drinker. I'm part of the club. I have a card. Do you have a card? Do you have a card? No, Does have anyone card. here have a card? We don't have frequent drinker cards. It's a video club card. Ah! Zip it there, Sporty Spice. Are we doing this? Oh. Is this happening now? Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. I'd Let's love do to. it. Ah! You're hurting me. You're hurting me. <laughs> it is kind of refreshing when you watch it. Kind of both sides. Sporty Spice, he got choked out. Um... What, what's interesting there is if you've ever been in that, that situation in the line and you're not quite sure what's happening, you've ever been in that situation where you wish the people in front of you would do something that you want to do, but it's like this pecking order, like, well, I don't know if I could do it because I'm like this back. Well, in this instance, he's like, listen, you're taking too long. Like, we can all relate to that. But that's the situation. He just, he had an emotional outburst. He's in somebody's ear space. All sorts of people are, are impacted. But it goes back to what, he was annoyed and frustrated. He wanted his coffee. And he's a soccer coach. Like, that's from the movie Kings. I can relate to that. You need your coffee if you're coaching these young people. But all of that led to this, you know, and it's funny and humorous, but that, that, can, that can happen. Before we know it, we can get in that mode where we're saying or doing things that if you took a step back and, like, watched a replay of your own response, you'd be embarrassed. You ever had that happen in your life? You're embarrassed by your response. Or... If you're more of an internal person, you begin to process and you're like, wow, I am so frustrated and angry at that person. And it's from just this little misunderstanding. And I've been stewing on that for hours. Have you ever done that where you kind of like are embarrassed by the amount of time that you've spent being frustrated over somebody and they don't even know it? Has that ever happened? 
These are just hypothetical situations, right? But it can happen, and oftentimes it's a normal part. And that's that reminder, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So in that anger, in that annoyance, that frustration, the exasperation, it's that signal, okay, I'm going down a path here where God, God does not want me to go. And that's where I need, I need his help. And then the second is decide to do good, do not retaliate. Uh, retaliation here is really talking about revenge. Uh, there are situations where if you're in a, uh, a relationship or if you're in a scenario where uh, there's just not healthy relating, whether there's abuse, whether there's just uh, evil that's happening, like this isn't the idea of like, I'm gonna be good in this situation, but it's really speaking of the things that happen to you don't get in a position where you're like Moses gonna do what you think needs to be done instead of God. Like I'm gonna take control here and I'm gonna avenge, I'm gonna uh, retaliate. Romans 12 says, beloved, never avenge yourselves. This is a command, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Uh, you'll see that never avenge yourselves just highlighted there. Uh, again, that's really speaking of, of revenge. Like in your anger, where you want somebody to pay, uh, you don't want that revenge to come back on them. Instead, Paul says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil uh, with good. The idea of overcome there is to be conquered. Uh, there's a victory. So if you overcome evil, uh, if, if you're overcome by evil, it, it conquers you. But if you actually uh, choose good, then the evil gets conquered. And so you have to choose like what's gonna get conquered. If, if I choose evil and revenge in my heart or payback in what I say or what I do, then it's actually gonna conquer me. Like it, the victory's with the wrong, with something that's not good. But on the contrary, if I choose to trust God, he will help me. I choose to do right and good before him and just the subtle things, maybe even in my heart, then there's victory there. I don't know you, but I want the victory that represents God's ways. And so those, those two things, just listen to people, James 1.19, don't retaliate, Romans 12. Th- those things are, if you can start just choosing that, uh, that's gonna really help. I, I wanna just close out with just the hey, say, and uh, pray and obey, just as a review. Uh, we talked about this last week. Uh, the hey is identifying the emotion. So if you're feeling anger, uh, you may want to say, okay, I'm feeling annoyed. Maybe start there, right? Because anger can involve a lot of emotions. I'm feeling annoyed. Now, you don't need to say that to the person annoying you. Hey, I'm feeling annoyed. I'm frustrated. I'm annoyed right now. Right? Like, that's not healthy. Uh, but in your, in your heart, this is going on inside. Hey, uh, God, I'm feeling some frustration here. I'm, I'm feeling annoyed. Will you help me? And then you say the scripture, Psalm 4.4, be angry and do not sin. Your word says that I, I can have this anger but not sin. God, I don't wanna sin against you. And then you pray, Father, please help me to do right and change from wanting to hurt to wanting to help. And so another way is just, I'm gonna try choose to listen to this person. I'm gonna choose to try to see life and see the situation from what they see and then obey. I'm gonna refuse to hurt, to speak or do wrong. And I wanna take the next step to change that hurt to help. So oftentimes for me, when I get to this part of obeying, it's just I may need just to walk away from the situation and not have the last word. 
or not say what I really want to say. This idea of like, God, I don't want to sin. I don't want to allow something to come out of my mouth that's not pleasing to you. So hey, say, pray, obey. Uh, Seems simple, but in the moment, our emotions often just, they take us off track. We're not even thinking about this. Um, I want to just end with some some next steps, and then I'm going to give, I don't think this is on your your handout, but I want to give you some scriptures. If you struggle with anger, I want to give you some scriptures that are helpful uh, for you. So three next steps, as uh, I think Joel's going to come back up the band. Uh, Slow down and and listen as you feel annoyed or or frustrated. This is very practical. Just slow down and listen to the person. This could be uh, somebody you love, somebody you've just met, a neighbor who, just slow down and listen. Uh, Second, take your anger before God and ask him for help. That's that hey and the say, God, I need your help. And then memorize a scripture to say this week, like God's word, use it. It's very helpful. Um, Here's the scriptures I was mentioning. If if you struggle with anger, these are some helpful scriptures to start to just the consequences. Like it's helpful to memorize, okay, if I get down this path, here's some consequences. Proverbs 14, 17, Proverbs 22, Verses 24 and 25, Proverbs 29, 22. And then uh, patience. That's that uh, be quick but don't hurry. Proverbs 14, 29, Proverbs 15, 18, Proverbs 16, 32. Um, I wanted to give you those because those are really helpful to begin to mull on and to memorize. These are the things that you need to say, especially in the moment. So I encourage you, take, take a next step. Uh, look at these scriptures. I think it will be an encouragement to you. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for um, just your word, which does give us practical help. We, we thank you just even for examples that are warnings to us and also commands which instruct us on the right way, how to respond rightly. We, we just pray, God, that if there's anyone here that's struggling with anger, just internally, or they're just looking back at some of the things that they've done recently with regret, God, I pray you'll give them just a sense of how to repair some of the damage, how to turn to you in what they're experiencing. God, I pray if there's any bitterness here just related to anger that we have just stored in our heart, that God, you'll help pull up the root of bitterness, that it won't defile us and those that we relate to. And God, I ask that we will be compassionate. We'll see people where they are. We'll identify with them and that we'll be quick to relate and listen. Lord, we need supernatural strength to do this. It's very difficult, but it's by your power and by your strength that we prevail. And we don't have to do it on our own power. And so for this, God, we we trust you and we ask for your help. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen.